0: I know it's been too long, folks, but I had to come back with an absolute banger of a podcast. But before, before we get into the podcast, I just want to say quickly that we here at YWC Football Talk are thinking about the city of Buffalo. I know the three of us are rivals with Buffalo, but what happened was just awful, an awful event. It was great to see today the Bills and other Buffalo sports teams stepping up to do their part to help the community out, especially Josh Allen. But just want to send that quickly, too, because... Buffalo's a place I, I go to sometimes, I'm very close to it, but just wanted to say that quickly that we're thinking of the city of Buffalo and we're here for you. Uh, well anyway, on to, better, on to more exciting things, I just wanted to get out of the way quickly, you know, do my just do my part to say something nice, because we are here on episode number 168 of YWC Football Talk, and for the third year in a row, Big Rat, it is Patriots and Dolphins, but the schedule makers decided to go, let's send it down to South Beach, but I have a take for you about this. I would rather see the Patriots go there when it's boiling hot than have to go there, you know, when their bodies are acclimated to the New England winter, than go down south. Because the last three times I've gone down south in December, obviously, what well, the miracle, Miami, mm-hmm. the Tua game in 2015, and then last year where the wheels kind of fell off for the Patriots in that week 18 game. So that's just a take I have. But week one, at least this time, you guys don't open week as soon as I we saw week two Buffalo, Tennessee Monday Night Football, my first thoughts were. Big Rat must be thrilled. He doesn't have to face Josh Allen week two. And
1: I I was very thrilled. And you can go back even further with the Patriots thing. In 2015, when they played in the last week of the season, and the Dolphins beat them to cost the Patriots the one seed, the year that the Patriots Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Oh, no, 2015. 2015,
0: that's right, 2015.
1: And then there was also – 2017, they played on Monday Night Football. It didn't end up affecting their seeding, but that was also in December. Dolphins also won that game.
0: Oh, yes, the Xavier. I remember there was a crazy Xavier, Xavier Howard. Howard pick. That yes,
1: game. yes, on Brady. Yeah, like that was – yeah, so – this, I, and the last time the Patriots did beat the Dolphins was the 43-0 to ass-kicking in 2019, which was in September. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. And also, not only am I happy I don't have to face Josh Allen week two, I faced Josh Allen week three, and they'll be on a short week because they're playing on Monday Night Football the week prior. And the the Dolphins need every piece of help they can get to win that game because that game is their season.
0: And then week two, they're facing – Baltimore. Oh, so yeah. Oh, shit, that's right. So, yeah, literally – I just realized this now week – Baltimore literally goes in a triangle here. It goes, Danny, you, me. That's literally Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore's first four games are all AFC East. It's, it's just as weird as the Patriots playing four primetime games in a row. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very odd. Very, 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 very strange to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but we – Oh, going.: go No, the it's it's gonna
1: September, be fun. September, the primetime schedule for September is loaded. Like Rams is as good of an opening game as we've ever had, like really, like it's that good. And just like all those primetime games, those first few weeks are going to be great, like really, really exciting. including
0: like, the return yeah. of Danny Dimes in primetime, but obviously only sadly, only one of the year. Unless we want to record at nine thirty in the morning in let's London on, Eng- from London, let's do a England.
1: London podcast instead <laughs> early in the day. <laughs> but uh, we also we also like normally the Monday night game is something kind of stale. Like in week one, it's normally something with the Raiders and Broncos, some shit like that. Last yeah. year it was kind of cool with with Baltimore, but normally it's a boring it Raiders a game, Broncos, Chargers game. This year and this year now you get Broncos and Seahawks right away week one. That's pretty cool. Yep,
0: and to get the third guest of the podcast in here, Danny uh we're just uh, honestly this is like the this is the best time of year for what S, but it's also like the brunt of the offseason obviously look there's OTAs which the only people who truly follow OTAs I feel like are like the football sickos like us who just like kind of love this stuff you want to see what your teams are doing it's the year of it's a time of year where is Danny Dimes finally going to break out as they show him fo- throwing in uh just mess jerseys and shorts and helmets it's that time of year where everyone has like Still that little glimmer of hope, but you slowly start to realize where your team's at. And I feel like out of all our teams here, obviously, look, Patriots draft. That episode still is coming, folks. Life's got in the way. We'll talk about the Dolphins draft in a little bit. But Danny's team had a hell of a first round this year. Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, even Brees Hall in the second round, who I know Daniel Jeremiah was praising. Um, What's it like right now in gangrene, Danny?
2: All right. So we are... Four minutes and 30 seconds into the podcast. I believe this is my first pod back on in five months, right? Uh, griff,
0: maybe. Let griff,
2: griff schedules me. And then we have this guy, Big Rat, pull the worst invasion angle off since ECW and WCW invaded WWF, man. What's, do I really got to sit here and tell you how overrated your dolphins are again? Again? do we be wrong. Again. Come on, man. Come on. So... <laughs> The talk of the town right now, the New York Jets. Yeah. The, the glimmer is there. The hope is there. We're we're up. We haven't been this up since maybe 2015. And I know everyone says Jet fans always are delusional and they always find a way to, you know, give themselves false realities. I'm telling you right now, this is this is gonna be, I'm not making a crazy prediction here and saying, you know, they're gonna do what the Bengals did. But this is the year you finally see the Jets start to get their shit together and turn it around, and they'll be considered serious threats for for playoffs next year. So, what was the original question, bro?
0: What um, was your thoughts on the draft and everything like that? What was Just, my
2: thoughts on the draft?
0: Yeah. let's okay, get, like, So, like, who got the my, sauce? Who's got the my, sauce?
2: <laughs> my game plan going into the draft. I loved Kayvon Thibodeau. That was my guy. That was the guy I wanted. But if you would have told me that we'd walk out with. Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, who I did like as well. You know, I, I was totally cool with him at 10. But the problem we had walking into the draft is we weren't going to be able to go pass rusher, corner, and wide receiver. The guy, the genie, Joe Douglas, probably going to win executive of the year this year, by the way. Finds a way to hop back up into the first round, grab a top 10 talent on their board. I don't know why he fell. It happens every year. A stud falls every year. Look at Jeremiah Owusu, uh, Kamora last year, yeah. fell into the second round, was still a stud, was still the player that came, um, that was hyped up to be. So Jermaine Johnson falls to us at 23. Get him. Sauce Gardner, best corner on the board, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion. I mean, Stingley, the hype was there. We all know the story about Stingley. Can't stay healthy, you know. And injured Injured in college is going to be injured in the pros. And, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, who, you know, I, I I wanted Jermaine. I mean, not Jermaine. I wanted um Oh my God, slipping. London? Me. No, I didn't. I didn't want London. I wanted I um. I love, no, no, Jameson Williams? no, 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 no. Jameson works? Williams, yes, Jameson Williams. You want um, him th- th- once. I think. I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll he'll end up being the best receiver in the draft. But I do understand our logic that we need something right now. We can't really wait on him to rehab and and get healthy and lose that training camp. So you know, Garrett Wilson is, you know, a lot of people's number one receiver. He wasn't mine, but he fits the system. He definitely fits the system. So, you know, I, you guys all know me who follow me. I was so pressed for Debo Samuel. I wanted that trade to get done. Didn't pull the trigger. It is what it is. Next year is the year where Corey Davis gets cut and we bring in that bona fide superstar number one uh, receiver. So I'm okay with that. Uh, and I realized that's the plan because some people over here have to fucking steal trades and steal our players. Um, when a deal is already fucking made, but it's all right, you know. At least the they Jets don't have the quarterback. At least they don't have the quarterback to get him the ball and actually fully utilize him. So I'm okay with it.
1: What, see, this is this is okay. All the shit talking. Never forget this. Yes, I, don't get me wrong. I take my shots at Danny too. I will forever remind him that I told him for weeks that the Jets are going to beat the Browns in that 2020 game, and he just oh kept yes. denying it, kept denying it. He he blames the receivers getting hurt. Yes, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and (laughs) Donovan COVID though? It was COVID, yes. But, like, that team utilizes their tight ends and their running backs in the passing game more than any team in the league. And Kareem Hunt and Njoku and Austin Hooper and all those guys were healthy. Like, so it was a bad argument. But in any event.
2: But in any event, thank God they did. In hindsight, thank God they lost that game.
1: and, And notice, notice. On this podcast, I always give him credit where it deserves. I messaged him the night of the draft and I said, You guys killed it. I did that. He never does any of that shit to me. Everything to him are you kidding? Overrated, the Finns are disappointments. He's bragging about how he was right on how they were overrated last year because they finished with nine wins instead of ten, because the win total was at nine and a half. Literally, that one game difference is what he's throwing a party about. And they won 10 games the year before. So I, I don't understand
2: that at all. Let me let me let me hold you up because you're straight up lying to the people right now. No, I've not. been praising your heat, your heat, who yes. I take <laughs> malicious attacks at all the time and i've been praising them this whole playoff run the other so, team yes not
1: not my football team yes oh how so, brave how brave of you you're praising the basketball team that's the one seed in the east that went to the finals two years ago that's in the easter conference finals again that
2: takes a lot of courage to, to, to right. tell you jimmy butler is the best player in the playoffs right now over guys yes. like luka Doncic, who's also is. bowling is a big Is a big statement and you're probably not going to get that statement i mean maybe now after that game one a lot of people want to say that but i said that beforehand so you got to give me credit there. I give credit where it's due, people. This guy no. just needs to wake up sometimes.
1: Not to the Dolphins though. Never, because because the what, Dolphins. What have they? What have they done to deserve it? They've won. They've won 19 games the last two years. They're like a good team. Like, I, fuck, I they're, don't know. Like, they're mediocre. They're they're this, average. They're league this, average. And this year, this year they're projected to win 10. Their win totals at nine and a half, and it's juiced towards the over. So they're projected to be a playoff team. Like Take the under again, people. All right. Okay, Firstly, okay, I'll, I'll talk about the Jets because I've been, unlike Danny, I actually get brought back a little more often. So I've gotten to talk about Tyree Kill and all that other stuff. But I'll just remind the people, Tyree Kill last year with Patrick Mahomes, it was not a deep shot offense. Tyree Kill was a low A-dot receiver last year. He got short passes from Mahomes and made yards after the catch with them. Even if you think that's all Tua is, which I don't, but even if you like stupidly think that, That is no different than how Tyreek Hill was utilized last year. He had like the fourth lowest eight out in the NFL amongst receivers with 100 targets. Despite his reputation, most of his targets are catching a short pass and getting yards after the catch. And if that's what you think Tua is, that's no problem. He can easily do that. So that's wrong right there. Now, moving on to the Jets, I did praise them for their draft. I love Sauce Gardner. Unlike Danny, I'm not going to change my evaluation of a player just because they go to my rival's team. I thought Sauce Gardner was a stud. Because I followed that Cincinnati team very closely. And Daniel Jeremiah said this. They're not some underdog story that made the college football playoff. They have just as much talent as anyone outside of Bama and Georgia. They have, like, as many people drafted as any school in the country, aside from Bama and Georgia. That was a loaded team. Like, full off. Alex Phillips,
0: Kobe Bryant. Yes. And
1: and then, like, Alex Pierce and fucking uh, Desmond Ritter, of course. Alex Pierce, my bad. Yeah. That Desmond or too, like they had like six guys drafted and a bunch of UDFA's that got that got signed up as well. That was a loaded team. Sauce was their best player. He was the best player in the history of Cincinnati. Everyone knows the stat. He never allowed a touchdown. He never allowed a hundred yard receiver. Like he was first, he was
0: first Bearcat, and like first rounder in like fifty years as well.
1: And he was in the top five. And like and some people were even saying Kobe Bryant, uh, the other the other DB. And yeah, that's Went to Seattle. Yeah, that's his name, everyone. Kobe Bryant. That's um, with a C. With a C. He he was actually underrated in this draft process because he wasn't, like, the best DB in his own backfield because of how good Sauce Gardner was, even though he himself is a very talented player. So, yeah, Sauce Gardner, great player. He's going to be a great cornerback. He's going to be the new Darrell Rivas. He's going to torment us for years.
2: All right, Not stop good. right there.
1: All right. Wait, Not right, it'll be as good. good. Not as good, even though, I mean, Sauce Gardner is as good of a – he's a better cornerback prospect than Jeff Okuda was. He's a better cornerback prospect than Stingley, in my opinion, He, because of the injuries, like Danny said. Uh, he's, I mean, as good as Ramsey, like in, in 2016, in terms of what it was coming out of college, not necessarily that he'll be that good in the NFL. He's as good of a cornerback prospect as he's had. So he's going to be damn good. Whatever he is, it's going to be damn good. Uh, I saw Danny. I don't know if Danny's seen this on Jets Twitter. I've seen some Jets people compare him to Cromarty. Uh, yes, like I don't. I hate Cromartie. that. I hate that. Because apparently, athletically, they're very similar. Is what I've heard. But yeah, so if you if you think you can be better than that, that's fine. So I love softs. There's no complaints on that. Jermaine Johnson did drop. Yes, to Danny's point, sometimes that's not a big deal. Uh, Jeremiah Wusukoa ended up being a really, really good rookie as a linebacker for the Browns, and he fell all the way to the third round, I want to say. Third yeah. round. Yeah. Was mid-season. it third? I think it was third.
0: Yeah, it was. It was, was either late second or third, and yeah, then the Browns
1: in the second, I believe. Oh, because he fell. He fell late. Like he fell very, very late. I'm looking it up right now. Oh yeah, it was the I second. Was 50,
0: I think it was 52nd overall. I want to say.
1: Yeah, it was late second. It was late. Ronnie. Second.
0: Yeah. Ronnie Perkins to stay on the same thing with AFC East. He fell as well. Which yeah, I'll, I have time to talk about that later. But he was another guy that fell, and he was like 97th or 99th for the Patriots last year. But yeah. no. Um, what was I going to say? I just want to give one quick take about the Jets before we get back to you guys. Sure. My thing with this team is though it has the tools. I think it's just now. Up to Zach Wilson to see if he can oh, make absolutely. that, to yeah, truly make absolutely. that second year leap. leave. That's see, my you, big thing.
2: Yeah, as a Jet fan, man, like, like you, you know it's all on Zach this year. You know, they finally gave him a serviceable O-line, you know, probably better than serviceable, depending on how back then comes back. Um, he actually has, you know, three options at a wide receiver that are legitimate NFL fucking wide receivers. They had, They brought in two tight ends, drafted one who I'm really high on, Jeremy Rutgers um that are legit oh, wow, nfl players yeah that are legit nfl players braxton barry is one of the best specialty players um like swift gadget players in the league so he has a chance it's on him it's on him to make that second year jump um the defense we have finally have pass rushes we have carl lawson coming back who was abusing makai beckton every day in training camp last year and was is gonna cool. have a fucking breakout season is we'll Vinnie see how still he... there? yeah Vinnie... we'll see if he even makes the roster who cares um you know, you got Jermaine Johnson, you got, uh, you got a, a brand new secondary now with DJ Reed, who had a, excellent numbers in Seattle. You did. Um, you, did. you got Jordan Whitehead, and you, you know, you, so you're really just missing uh, a linebacker next to CJ Mosley and a cover safety. That's but, really
1: it, you know? But it should be pointed out, though, with Jermaine Johnson, yes, it's true that a guy can fall in the draft, and it's no big deal, as we saw with JOK, but... You know, apparently the rumor is I, I. You never want to overly substantiate this stuff because you don't know what's true and what's not true. There's some rumors that it was character related, and you know, a character a character flaw prospect going to the New York market hasn't always worked out great. But yes, I, I from a talent perspective, I saw him up close. Like he played at FSU. Like I saw the torment that he laid on. Like he's a very very talented player. Um, and it is all about Zach. It's just uh, but do you think this defense can come together that quickly? Because this is the argument I made before my Dolphins in 2020. And granted, I ended up being wrong on this. But you have all these new pieces that are coming coming in together all at once. I know Carl Lawson was in training camp, but he didn't play in the regular season. Lawson, new. Jermaine Johnson is new. Jordan Whitehead is new. Sauce is new. DJ Reader is new. Like, DJ Reader is new. Like Isn't this – that's a lot. That's a lot to fix a defense that was among the worst in the NFL last year. So what if it's a situation where Zach does take a step forward, but you're still kind of playing shootouts every week, you know? And that's how you end up
2: winning six, seven games. Yeah, and we'll absolutely take a season like that. See, the thing is, we also didn't catch any breaks from the NFL's uh, schedule makers. You know, that, that their first, what was it, eight games are brutal. Yeah. Brutal. It softens up at the end. But, you know, to open up in Baltimore or against Baltimore, that's probably the worst matchup all season. You know, we, we might get blown the fuck out in that game.
0: So, all NFC, AFC North open.
2: If they yeah, the whole NFC, AFC North uh, for the first four weeks. So, I mean, if there is a time to get your ass beat and learn, I guess it is against these teams. But at the same time, we had the youngest defense last year that also got significant reps. So, these young guys that have to play meaningful snaps have that NFL experience now. They're not. You know, they're not going to be forced in day one and have to learn on the job like they kind of know the defense already. Um, It's going to be a struggle. It'll probably be a little bit of a struggle. But like Bigger said, if if it's a shootout every week, I'm fine with that. I'm way okay with that. I'd rather have the offense be great and the defense suck for a little bit than the other way around.
0: Big 12 football coming to MetLife Stadium. Um, I'm looking at the schedule here and there's one key thing that I really point out where I'm really interested to see how they do. And that's their late October to mid November, where it literally goes Patriots bills bye week Patriots, because we obviously know the jets, if you want to improve, I don't think you can go all in six in division. I think even, I know this is going to sound bad. I don't know how Dan's going to take this. If they can go two and four or three and three, you know, win a couple of those division divisional games, whether it be, Hey, split against the Patriots, split. Help, even maybe get lucky and beat the Bills, because remember the Bills lost to Jacksonville last year, who I still think are a worse team than the Jets this year, or even split against Miami. If you can split against one of those three teams, that's an improvement for me for the Jets. You just cannot afford to go zero six or one and five against your own division.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would never be offended about your statement, bro. We've been zero twelve against the AFC East. I think the past two years, but I'm 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 one hundred percent expecting to split with the Dolphins and to, to split with the Patriots. One hundred percent. I think the Patriots got worse, and I think, like I said, the Dolphins overrated. Give me the eight uh, stats on uh, on Tyreek all you want. Obviously, they were they weren't playing. They were scared of him going deep on them, so they were going to give up the underneath. That's why his numbers look like that. Should have gone Go ahead.
0: Should have gone one and eleven, but Joe Flacco shit the bed in the fourth quarter of that Monday Night game.
2: So uh, clearly, as everyone has heard, Big Red is in for a rude awakening on Tyreek Hill this year. But just putting problem, it out there. But the problem is, this is the big problem. Everyone says
1: this. I've seen this too. Okay, well we don't trust Tua to beat us deep, so we're just gonna play single coverage and like dare him to hit Tyreek Hill over the top. You have Jalen Waddle on the other side. That's the problem. You have two guys who scare you like that. You have no choice but to give up that stuff because there's too many different ways that you can lose like that. Like, that's why the combination is so deadly. Like, this is not like fucking McCall Hardman, who's not even playing, who wasn't even playing every snap, who was playing a miniscule percentage of snaps on the field. This is a significantly different threat. Waddle's going to play every snap every week. Like, that's the, that's why the coverages will be different. And look, I've told you guys this before. Tua's, Tua doesn't throw deep often. When he throws over 20 yards. He's like 14 for 29, two touchdowns and one pick. It's like the third-best completion percentage amongst all quarterbacks aside from Herbert and Kyler Murray. Like, when he throws deep, it's fine. They just don't do it often. But when it happens, he's not throwing seven picks every time it happens. That's the big misunderstanding with his deep percentage.
2: I would love to see those numbers off a of non-play action.
1: It's fine. There's there's highlights of it on YouTube. There's Dolphin fans that compile every single 20-plus yard attempt from Dua. Like I you- mean – most people only- think, most people think his interceptions come from throwing down the field because they cite that stat. Every pass he throws over ten yards, and the interception numbers from that. Most of his inter- interceptions are in the intermediate range. They're in the intermediate range over the middle of the field. They're not the deep shots. No, almost his deep shots are either catches incomplete or touchdowns. He rarely throws like a forty-yard pick or something like that.
2: I mean, the only the only highlights I've seen is uh, Tyreek Hill catching underthrown balls put up by. Uh-
1: the Dolphins Dol- media. The Dolphins media did rightfully got claimed by their own fan base for that. Like they 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 fucked up. That was their fault.
0: What did Marcel do now? Um <laughs> even the um with Miami here, I just want to look at their schedule quickly because there's another portion of it that I really want to see how they come out, and that's <laughs> December. Because I know you obviously be Christmas Day, but it's those three road games at San Francisco, at LA, and at Buffalo, because that's like Weather affected for you guys, plus two, that's the time of year where we know the Dolphins to usually, you know what, beat the Chargers, but then shit the bed against the Bills. That's, it's usually the Patriots where they beat them. And then, like, I, I always remember the two games. There was one where New England went down to Miami in, like, mid-December, and then Buff, the U.S. with to Buffalo and laid an egg. And then, and then, obviously, there's the Miracle Miami game. Next week, keep your season alive. Dalvin Cook whoop your ass. Yep. So, those are what I – that's that's when I'm just looking at the Miami schedule right there, and then the week four game against the Cincinnati Bengals because I know Danny's saying that this year New England's going to be a disappointment. I want to ask you guys something, though, and I want you to see how I feel. Do you think the Cincinnati Bengals could potentially be a team where, if they don't live up to expectations, it could be a disappointment? Like, do you think it's a – do you think they're in a Super Bowl or bust kind of season? Or do you think if it's like they win a wild card, it's going to be disappointing considering how well they were last year?
2: It's definitely not Super Bowl or bust because this is very hard to get back to the Super Bowl, back-to-back years. I and mean, they did it
0: super prematurely, by the way. So yeah.
2: they're going to, of course, have unfair expectations on them. Even Joe Burrow, you know, I was just listening to the Full uh, full Send podcast that he was just on today. And he was even surprised that the team he – he did not believe the team was going to be a Super Bowl team. So – I mean, I think a playoff season is successful for them. They can't miss the playoffs, though. <clears throat> in my opinion, the a good comparison
1: in the NBA. I, someone p- posted this after the playoffs last year, and I thought it was very prescient. Someone said this about the Atlanta Hawks. They were like a bad team forever, and then made a deep run to the Eastern Conference Finals. They were they're tied two two in the series with Milwaukee, and then Giannis gets hurt. Like they didn't make the finals, but a lot of their fans thought, "Holy shit! Like this is they're actually going to do it." And someone said. The hardest thing for this team, this young team that's significantly overachieved, they have to realize that next year they start 0-0. They, they have to realize that none of that momentum guarantees anything when you overperform in the roster. And you kind of saw with the Hawks, they were more of a 500 team, and that was kind of hard on the players. They talked about this. like It was hard to kind of like come to grips with the fact that, oh, we weren't as good as we thought we were. The Jaguars, they, have other, they had other problems, of course, like the quarterback situation with Blake Bortles and everything, but... There was a lot of infighting amongst that team when they started out three and four. You start out three and four and the veterans are mad and everyone's upset because you have like this Super Bowl expectation that's unrealistic. And so you wonder if the Bengals can kind of handle the weight of those fallen expectations and if that could tank their season or not. I think they're still going to be a good team. But yeah, I mean, the facts of the matter is their division is better. The Ravens are going to be a better version of themselves next year, whatever that is. Like just literally bringing back the same roster and everyone getting healthier. Trapped really
0: well, by the way. Too, I wanna add that. I really like even their even their day two picks. I really like them getting David Ojabo and also Travis Jones. Adding in, you get that Mike McDonald Michigan defense coming in as well.
1: And Mike, when Mike McDonald went to Michigan, that's when their defense finally took the next step. That's when they finally beat Ohio State. They finally made the college football playoff. He's that good of an impact defensive coordinator. And you kind of saw with Wink Martindale, even though I think he'll do a good job with the Giants, I kind of know this with Brian Flores too, and I know this with Manny Diaz at Miami. These defensive coaches that just call blitzes nonstop, it destroys bad quarterbacks. Bad quarterbacks have no chance. Like that's why Danny's Jets would always get their asses kicked by B-Flow. Like always, just because it was – just boom, send the house, send the house. And even though his Jets played very well in that second game in the first half, in that fourth quarter, in that December game, you kind of saw their offense just kind of fell apart because the blitz protection, they just could not keep up with it. And when you play elite quarterbacks though, you get lit up. Elite quarterbacks just know like, it's like blitzing Brady. It's like, they just know like to get rid of the ball quickly, find the open spots. And you kind of saw that with Link Martindale, like it was really good against a lot of bums But, man, against Joe Burrow, like, you just can't blitz him nonstop. And now that you have that kind of caliber quarterback in your division, you need to make a change. So I think the Mike McDonald change is going to help them a lot. Unfortunately, the Browns, I think, got better for, you know, we don't have to give them too much attention, but you understand why. And the Steelers are probably going to be the same. I know they're projected to finish last in the division, but they're going to win, what, like seven, eight games? Like, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season? It's hard. It's going to be hard for the Bengals to, to do that again.
0: I want to get a take about the Steelers quickly. I still think they can be, and this is going to sound crazy, I still think they can be in the playoff conversation because they remind me a lot of what last year was. I think there's a few games that the defense can steal. and If they can get decent to average quarterback play, whether it's Kenny Pickett or I like to kiss Titty Stubisky, um, whether it's one of those two, just don't do anything stupid. This can be a team, I don't think they can make the playoffs, but they're going to be that team that you're in it at Christmas time. That's what I think. I, I like the seven eight win total for them. I think there's going to be a couple games down the stretch where they lose, but even I look at Cincinnati's schedule here because look, it's that time of year we get to dissect it. Their December to January is not easy. It's versus the Chiefs, versus the Browns, at the Buccaneers, at the Patriots, versus the Bills, and versus the Ravens. That's not easy to end the season. So and because all those teams, even we, we obviously know Cleveland, we still have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But Chiefs, Bucks. Pats, Bills, Ravens are all teams that are going to be in those playoff conversations. Now, obviously, like the Patriots lost some key players from this year. We, don't, we, can, we can talk about it later, but those are all teams you're going to look at as in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt, at least.
1: Yeah, with the Bengals and with my Dolphins, like, it's the same thing with those December schedules. To make the playoffs, you have to have that game that you steal. The game where you're on the road against an above 500 team and you win like a field goal game. That usually determines who goes to the playoffs. The teams that could, like, a great example. The Raiders, what they did to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That is the classic game that you take away in a very close one against, you're the underdog, you're against a good team. Like, everyone calls it a schedule loss on paper. That's the game that you yeah. steal. That is the difference between going nine and eight and making the playoffs. So, like, something like that is something that, the Bengals and the Dolphins also are going to have to do. The Dolph- Dolphins fans are just hoping that it's that San Francisco game, hoping that either either they still have Jimmy or Trey Lance maybe struggles his first year as a starter, and obviously the Mike McDaniel intel, because he also has – it's not just McDaniel. They have a few coaches from that coaching staff too with Wes Welker and John Embry, et cetera. They're, they're kind of hoping that that can kind of give them an advantage on the road game, you know. So something like that is the game you have to steal.
0: It's like the Patriots last year in that Monday Night Football game that a lot of people hated where Macaulay yeah, threw three you know. passes. But it's the same thing where, look, you go into someone's building, you steal a game. Like, even, hell, look at last year in that Sunday Night Football game when the Bucs went in, the Saints went into the Buccaneers, won 9 nothing. Obviously, yep. look, they lost to Miami the next week. We know all about that. But games like that, every team needs. You need that win where it's like you weren't supposed to do that. Even with New England last year, I can think of other games like, the whomping they laid on Cleveland, 45 unanswered points. Like, there's – I completely agree with that take where it's like, look, if you want to win, like even two for um, – I want to pull up the jet schedule here just for Danny so we can get him back in the comments for conversation. But uh, – and also, I'm going to say this. Whoever decided to put J- Jets and Jags Week 16 on Thursday night football, <laughs> do that in September or October. <clears throat> don't do that around Christmas time. I don't um, get it. Okay, Jesus Christ, the Jets like have a very easy end of the season, like Lions, Jags, and Seahawks are and three of their other... And but that's they,
2: what I'm saying. If you could if you could steal, you know, one of those first a couple of those first eight games, you know, and you, you go into your bye, you know, sitting with like two or three wins, you know, you you could you can potentially still be in that picture, man. You know, you could easily make up ground on something like the Lions, the, you know some of these, these weaker teams. So, I mean, like I said, I'm thrilled with, a, with an eight win season. That's fine with me. You know, I'm not expecting playoffs this year, but we'll see, man. And, and like to Danny's point, because I think Danny told this to
1: me over Twitter that like he's going to, he thinks the Dolphins are going to start like one and three or oh and four because they go home to Patriots at Baltimore, home to bills at Bengals on a short week. Look at Bengals on Thursday night football. That's a loss. Like the road Thursday night game, Is a nightmare for any team. The Dolphins routinely get destroyed in that spot. They don't just lose. They lose big. And playing the Bengals on Thursday night on the road is just awful. Like, that is the worst possible schedule luck you can get. So they'll probably lose that game. And they'll probably lose that Baltimore week, too. So that's why I keep saying, like, home to Buffalo. I don't know if you consider that a steal because they're at home. But they are underdogs. But, yes, they are at home, but they are going to be underdogs. That's why that game kind of defines their season. It's not just oh you lost a buffalo again. It's no, that's the difference between going two and two, you're okay, things are stable, versus going one and three or zero oh and four, and now things are kind of starting to tailspin a little bit. So yeah, early season steals count too, to Danny's point, like stealing games in September and October go a long way.
0: Exactly. Like even I look at the Patriots schedule here, and I see Steelers and Dolphins. I think that can either be one and zero oh or two and two or two and zero oh or one and one. Um, it's that versus Ravens and at Packers game for them that I see where it's if you can get out of that one and one especially going to Lambeau. And I like the fact they're going to Lambeau in prime football weather, early October, not too, not too hot, not too cold. That's what I like. And then even with them, for me, for the Pats, it's like I said to you guys before off air, I don't know how the hell they managed to get four primetime games in a row. Obviously people still love us, but they got to go two and two, I think at worst case scenario down that stretch, because you're three of those four on the road. And by that time, We try to figure out teams, but I'm already circling that week 15 Raiders Sunday night football as a loss just because of McDaniels. That's why the bill, the former, the former assistant trick coming back to bite him in the ass. The
1: the primetime schedule thing drives me crazy because it's like they they always do it based off last year's win total. They never project forward. And like, that's why, like when teams are on the rise, like the Bengals last year, even though, sure, no one expected them to make a Super Bowl run, but people knew they'd get better. People knew they'd improve and you never see them in primetime ever. Yeah. And and my I remember this very clearly when the Dolphins made the playoffs in 2016 as a 10-16. And, and they weren't a strong playoff team. They made the playoffs with a losing record. Tannehill tore his ACL in training camp. And they had five primetime games. And it was very frustrating as a fan because a <laughs> of primetime games, you're losing every single one of them. And you're getting killed on Twitter. Like, this team sucks. Why do we have to keep watching them? And I'm not saying the Patriots are going to be that bad. But you would think the NFL would project forward a little bit. They did with Denver. But they didn't really with everyone else. And giving the Patriots more primetime games is basically—they were a playoff team last year, so we got to put them on national TV a lot.
2: That's basically. What are the? How many primetime games do the Bears and Steelers have this year?
0: The Bears have three. I know that one of them is week. The, the Bears have. Well, I feel like they do the same thing every year. You get a Bears and Packers game in primetime, and you get a Giants Cowboys game in primetime. I feel like those are two matchups that are—they're either primetime or they're in the four twenty-five Sunday slot.
1: Yeah, cause um, Chicago Chicago's a big market too. Like they get they get more of a prime time advantage than other cities for that reason.
0: It's also an OG Ooh. thing too. Yeah. Um the the Steelers they have one they we'll play also prime time. One they have two They have three, they have four, they have five. Oh, my God, man. (laughs) So stupid. The
2: the jokes write themselves.
0: One of them is on Christmas Eve against the Raiders, but there's a cool story behind it because it'll be the 50th anniversary a day later from the Immaculate Reception game. So it's kind of cool, but, like (laughs) – I don't need Steelers Colts on Monday Night Football in Week Twelve.
2: Oh, wow, that sounds awful,
0: Jesus! And that's not, and um, Mo- and Monday
2: they they are really hyping up Monday Night Football this year, you know? Like they yeah, really
0: re- repackaged at it. Dolphins Week Seven Sunday Night Football. Yeah, the Brian Flores reunion. It's yes. uh,
2: it's I
1: I have no idea why of all the fun storylines the Dolphins have this year because there's plenty. The Dolphins play the Browns, right? Deshaun Watson, Tua, very easy. The Dolphins played the Chargers and the Bengals. And, yes, they did put the Bengals on primetime, but it was Thursday night. Not yes. as juicy. The Tua versus Herbert, Tua versus Burrow, Tua versus Deshaun Watson, of all the juicy ones they could put on Sunday Night Football, the one they fucking picked was Tua and Brian Flores. Even though he's a coach, he's not going to be in the game. He's probably not even going to be, like, interviewed all that much throughout the week. <laughs> it's really What the fuck is the juice to see Dolphins, Steelers, in primetime? Like, I
0: don't get it bengals Steelers too on Sunday Night Football, so they get the Steelers have two Sunday Night Football games.
2: That's okay. ridiculous, man. I think this,
0: there's certain. I think there's just certain franchises the NFL is just like, yeah. oh, we're gonna cater to them. Like obviously, I get the Russell Wilson one for week, uh, for week one. Just like, look, you want a banger, and then week two, look, Bills Titans is great. I don't know who was what they were thinking with Eagles and Vikings. Like, I guess just like, hey,
1: yeah.
0: it's a playoff thing, and then I, Giants we- Cowboys. Uh, let's see what else there is. Rams Niners Week Four could be very interesting.
1: And can we can we talk about Thanksgiving? Because me and you were on this every year, and I was so upset because the I think everyone knows the story of the fake Twitter account that was doing
0: schedule leaks. Yeah, um, was that was not real. But he got <laughs> the day of. He's just like, "Fuck you all!" I was just <laughs> trolling the entire time.
1: I, I was I was so fucking pissed because for his Thanksgiving slate that he leaked. I forget the, the Bills that were playing. I mean, not the Bills. The, the Lions were playing like Washington or something like that. But the Cowboys were playing the Bengals. And the, the Thanksgiving night game was Bill's Ravens. And I'm like, oh, my God, finally, a great Thanksgiving slate. And instead, we get Giants-Cowboys and
0: Bills Patriots- lions
1: Bill's-Lions and Patriots-Vikings. With all due respect. Terrible.
0: Patriots- That's going to be a fucking Big 12 football game. That's what that game's going to be. It's like what Danny was saying, high-scoring <laughs> shootout. That's going to be Texas versus Oklahoma on Thanksgiving night.
1: Okay, but no one – people want to see Colt McCoy versus Kyler Murray in Texas, Oklahoma. They don't want to see Mac Jones versus Kirk Cousins on Thanksgiving.
0: No. I'll take it for what it is, but I even agree with you, too. Like, even Giants-Cowboys, like, I got into it because Giants fans were coming at me – or, like, my buddy Giants fans, Matt Lorenzo, was coming at me because I said I was excited for every Thanksgiving game because – by Giants, Cowboys, where I'm like right in the middle. They always do this when Fox gets the thir- the Dallas game. They always just get lazy and throw an a- 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 NFC East team in. Like last year, I actually want to say something. I called it being Raiders-Cowboys last year. I said that's a classic. That's two classic teams. I would make for a good game. It turned out to be a really good game, too. One of the best games of the year. Yeah. But even looking on this, the rest of the games for what you could have put in that slot, there's nothing else. Oh, here's a good one you could have put Thanksgiving night. Uh, Rams versus Chiefs. That would have been great. <laughs> like, I love I love, like, I love, love playing on Thanksgiving. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I know what you mean. And you know how the Lions have zero Thanksgiving games? Like, not zero Thanksgiving games, excuse me. They have zero primetime?
1: Yeah.
0: Mike Florio made a really good point about this. He said, for the Lions, I think you'd rather be the 1230 Thanksgiving game, which I think is, like, in the top five, yeah. I think it is, for watched all year, than a week three Monday night football game where the viewership's not going to be as high. Yeah. tell that – I think yeah.
1: Cowboys Raiders last year was the most viewed game of the of the year, of everything. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's why the Cowboys also too for as much like as mad I was too for the fact that it's Cowboys box on that Sunday Night Football game. We and I know we love to rag on them, but you can't argue against the America's team meta- narrative, and then also to the fact that they they are a money maker in the NFL. But I will add this: Dallas getting a second NFL team, absolutely not. No. no, no. If you're gonna go if you're gonna go to Texas again, go to San Antonio.
1: And you 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 are you are right that and we'll d I do want to address the Dallas thing, but you are right that Thanksgiving should be viewed, yes, in its own special status. Like the the Dolphins too, like I don't think it's this way yet, but I think the trend is slowly accelerating this way with the NFL over time. Christmas Day is starting to matter, and the Dolphins have a home Christmas Day game against they Green Bay. They killed
0: the NBA in ratings last year with Browns and Packers. They killed the NBA. It was like twenty five million views for that Packers Browns game.
1: There was one NBA executive that even speculated the NBA might start pulling back on Christmas. Not, not like, give it up entirely, but maybe not have as many Weaker games. Weaker matchups. Yeah. Because the NBA, unlike the NHL, if I could rag on the NHL, because they put the Panthers in the heat same, game, same day for all their games, like, over the next two weeks, which is asinine. Unlike the NHL, the NBA knows their place. They know that the NFL is king, and they're going to leave it alone. So... Yeah, like Christmas Day football, I think we're not – because Thanksgiving Thanksgiving NFL just has such a strong tradition. It's going to take yep. a while to match that. But we're going to start seeing Christmas Day NFL is going to start to matter. Like it's going to be like a, look for that on the schedule. What is the Christmas Day game? That's going to be a new thing.
0: I, I think unless it's on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, but I even think still maybe – I think with the pandemic even, I feel like they could get into a habit where they're like, you know what, hey, we can put a game here or there. Like because Christmas is on a Monday next year. Even the slate this year, like like Packers Dolphins, okay, you can take it for what it is. But Rams and Broncos and Cardinals box are two games with a lot of talent. Like obviously, look, you know who the better teams are there, but you got talent in all six games. That's something that they want. Even the um, games of the day before, actually, I'm looking at the day before Christmas Eve, and oof, there's some ugly ones. Like the four the 425, there's one game, and it's Eagles Cowboys. Like. The rest of the games for the one o'clock slot, it's not a lot of attractive. Like you have the Bills and the Bears, which give me the Bills spread on that one. Um, <laughs> and then the Monday nighter is Chargers Colts that week, which that that could be a that could be a playoff game. That could be a playoff eliminator game.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah.
0: and even yeah. Uh, the one thing I gotta wonder this year too is is the fact that the because I'm gonna ask you, I know Danny's not too big as a college guy, but you're a big college guy, and I'm kind of kind of on the I'm not like a big college fan, but I follow it enough to. Know, know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. With the sun with them playing games on January 1st, do you think that'll impact the New Year's 6 and like the Rolls Bowl and stuff like that? Or do you think it's like where do you see that going? Or do you think they could move the game to Monday?
1: I mean, they could they could get a little flexible with it and start pivoting around the Saturday game, but like unlike the NBA, like those games do really well. Um, so I usually I would think college football would want to defer. Um, and try to move around scheduling a little bit. Because college football has never been a first to putting those bowl games on Mondays or Tuesdays or anything like that. They've done that for years. So I would think they'd be more flexible to move it unless it was something crazy. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it would be too much of an issue.
0: True. And I'm also looking at the Monday Night Football schedule. There's not a lot of bad games in here. Like, yeah, there's the Colts when we ragged on, but also late in the year you have Saints and box, Patriots-Cardinals, um, Rams-Packers Week 15. That's one to really keep your eyes out on. Um, let's see what else there is. Cardinals, Niners, not a bad option for Monday Night Football. Okay, uh, Week 10, avoid Commanders, Eagles. Um, Ravens, Saints, Week
2: 9. Danny's favorite quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, Can you believe how many people are projecting them to win the NFC East now just because I, they signed James Bradbury?
0: I just like the odds. I just liked it at plus 250 when the Dallas Cowboys were still the favorite. I liked it for the odds. Like how I said, if I would have a Super Bowl future, I would do the Ravens because I think they were like plus 2200. But yeah, oh, I love the Ravens this year. I do too. But, That's why I asked the question about the Bengals. But
2: was last year the start of the uh Lamar Jackson injuries? We don't uh, know. It was
1: only four games. Like I I have a hard time like like giving it that much credence because it was only four games, you know? So I don't think so personally. I hope t-
2: not. Honestly, uh, I hope not. I love watching them, but and it's on the contract year, so
0: my biggest thing, too, is I is don't have any receivers now. And I'm going to flip the script. I think Hollywood Brown has a breakout year this year. Because I don't think he's expected to be wide receiver one in Arizona. I'm not saying he's going to be a stud. But I think we finally see him live well, he's up gotta to this. he got
2: to be wide receiver one for, what, four games now, right? Six. Six games. You know what I
0: mean, though? When D-Hop comes back, I don't think there's going to be that pressure on him. Do you know if he has bad games here or there, it's not going to be like, oh, it's this yeah. or that. He's like, how do I put this in a good context? He'll be good for fantasy depth. He will,
1: and he'll probably – you know, he can, he can easily approach a 1,000 yards. And as people have pointed out, D-Hop – it's one thing I've learned, like, in fantasy football the last few years. Like, guys that, guys that are hurt coming into the season or guys that are suspended to start the season, those are usually stayaways aways because oh, 100%. there's something about, like, you miss four games. Like, if you're hurt to come into the season, you're usually never right. And, like, you know, like we saw with Michael Thomas last year, it's like there are probably plenty of people who burn mid-round picks on him thinking he will be back by week eight or something like that it just never comes back so guys who are suspended you're four games out of shape you know you're not in nfl shape you can do some conditioning on the side but you're less integrated with the playbook and i thought this was very randomly griff i watched cam newton do an interview with i am athlete and he mentioned how like in football and it's not just a patriots thing like as the regular season is progressing you're adding you're adding stuff, like you're learning from previous weeks, you know, you're building around. And Cam was saying like that, those two weeks he missed for COVID or whatever, he felt like behind in class. Like he felt like, oh man, like we made all these changes that I wasn't here for that like now I'm trying to process them. So even if Hopkins like participates in training camp, being gone for six weeks, there's changes to the offense. There's changing to the personnel. You might be playing with different receivers and different checks and all that stuff. So yeah, like it makes it harder to come back and make an immediate impact. So even though he'll be back, it's only a suspension. It could be a trap. And so if he struggles, then yeah, Hollywood's going to feast.
0: You're right. Yep. That, that week one for Arizona this year is in such a weird position, though, as a whole. I have a yeah. soft spot for them. But the Kyler Murray extension, but then also giving Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, I think, unwarranted extensions. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have listened to this, but I had the – from Lockdown Cardinals, uh, Alex Clancy on here. And he really put it into good terms of, like, where the team is right now and everything like that. So I feel like for them, they're in a big make-or-break year. This is a big 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 big, big make break especially for Kyler Murray, but I feel like he he'll have a contract by camp.
2: I hope so because I'm very scared of him going to the Dolphins.
0: <laughs> no shut up. Like <laughs> very.
1: I do to play baseball before he does that. The, look, I just Kyler, look, I've never I'm a Kyler fan. I've always think people kind of overrated him a little bit. I never thought he was a top 5 guy. I always thought he was more of a fringe top 10 guy. Like I think he's closer to you know, some of that bottom of the top 10, start of the next list kind of guys, like the Tannehill Cousins, those guys. Better. Better than those guys. Better than those guys. But I think he's closer to them than he is to Mahomes, Rogers, Brady. I think he's closer to that second group that I just mentioned. Um, so I I think that they need to give him an extension because if they don't, like, look, they're obviously, no matter what I think about it, it's it's really hard to do better. So that's reason number one to do it. And secondly, it's just it's just going to be a nightmare all year long. Like, it's going to be a constant stressor because the Lamar thing is different. By all accounts, the Ravens want to pay Lamar. Lamar, like, just doesn't care. He wants to – I think he wants to get to the fifth-year option. He wants to get to the franchise tag. And then he wants another contract on top of that, going to Kirk Cousins route, where you get, like,
0: as much money as possible. And you know, uh, an agent banging on the door for looking for one.
2: Yeah. He's but, playing on his option this year, right? Yeah, but – the ru- yeah, the rumor is he's on his option, but he wants to tag.
1: And then he wants to get tagged again. And then he wants to get, like, you know, the five-year guarantee. He game.
0: is
2: playing with fire, man. The way he, he plays. Is. He also he doesn't is. have an
0: agent. If we're talking yeah, about Lamar, I, I, Lamar that, does not have an agent. Just, yeah.
2: That is just a terrible way to approach it, man. Eric DaCosta
1: said that, as he said after the draft, we're ready for this one ever. Like, like he just has to give us a call. Like, it's, it's all on his side of the, of the court. Um, But the problem is their win percentage when Lamar plays versus when he doesn't over the last 10 years is astronomical. Like, they are basically – we don't view them this way. Since the 2012 Super Bowl, they are basically an average franchise when Lamar Jackson is not their starting quarterback. Like, that's what it's been for most of their time. So it's really hard to walk away from that. Even though he has an injury history and all that stuff, like, it's really hard to walk away from that. But, yeah, I think they have to get it to Kyler because Kyler's not handling it the same way Lamar is. There will respond. be fights, there will be agent messaging, there will
0: be animosity. It won't be the My same. followings on social media. Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask both of you, if you were to pick a team from last year that won a division, that's going to take a step back, who would it be and why? And I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans. Good pick. I, I'm sorry, Trey Allen Burks is a great receiver, but well, – you're not replacing A.J. Brown. That's my thing. You're not replacing A.J. Brown.
1: Well, can I ask – I'll let Danny go first, uh, but I just want a clarification. When you say step back, it's obviously the team gets worse. But does it get worse but doesn't win the division? Because the Titans could get worse and still win the division, you know? like well, Yeah.
0: Like, like they're okay. not going to be – I don't – like if I had to put money on it right now, I'm not going to be coming out here and saying Titans are going to be the number one seed in the AFC again. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Cool. They can still win the division. I still, I, still, I still think it's a toss-up and – I think a lot of it has to do with if a certain wide receiver that this podcast adores takes a step forward. Yes. I think that's a big part of that. Okay. Um, which I'll talk to you later, but I just think Tennessee as a whole I think there's slowly I think there's I think I think the Tennessee Titans are kind of in that Bengals pair thing where they kind of peaked in 2019 and then since then it hasn't been the same since they mm-hmm. went on that run where Look, they beat us, we got a wild card game, and then Phil came on here and had the bold take of them lose, yeah. beating the Ravens. Yeah. And then, hell, they have Kansas City on the ropes in the AFC championship game, but ever since then they haven't won a playoff game. So that's what I mean with Tennessee, where I'm just like, I can see the production going down and I just can't see them, you know, being that the, the team you look at with, like, you look at them scared. You know, that's why I don't view Tennessee as, a, like, a threat anymore.
2: Well, I, Yeah, I and you got to – you got to question if Derrick Henry is also breaking down as well. You know, there's a lot of miles sure. on that guy. So, you know, if, if, he, if he's gone, Tannehill is just going to look like fucking terrible, man. And, you know, he already went for therapy this offseason because of that terrible game against the Raiders. So, you know, he lost his, his – he lost A.J. Brown. He lost Julio, who wasn't great for them. But, um, you know, they got Bobby Trees. He'll help them. But, yeah, man, that's a great pick.
0: They also – one thing I want to say about Tennessee as well is I also remember, too, there was, like, sometimes Tannehill looked good, but then there was other times. There was, like, the Patriot game last year where he did not – he wasn't it.
1: It should be mentioned um, when A.J. Brown came back, because everyone focuses on those games where Henry got hurt and Brown got hurt and, like, Tannehill struggled and then everyone came back and all that stuff. When A.J. Brown came back, even when Derrick Henry was still hurt, and that was, like, first on that San Francisco 49ers Thursday night game, and then the week after uh, when they played us. know. Whooped you. Whooped us, destroyed us. And then when they played the Texans, and, yes, it's the Texans, when Tannehill had one of the Texans best covered. And yeah, but Tannehill had four touchdowns. Like, like, Tannehill was playing fine. Like, the defense struggled a little more against Houston, but Tannehill played great in that game. When A.J. Brown was playing, it wasn't as bad. Like, that Patriots game was no Henry, no A.J. Brown, no Julio. Like, that was
2: bottom of the barrel. And, yeah, Patriots destroyed him, no doubt about it.
0: 36 uh, to 13, I think the score was.
2: Man, they lost to the Jets without those guys. Well, they yeah. had Henry, but. I mean, the Bengals well, lost to
1: the Jets, too. Like, we don't hold it against them. Like, and they lost to Mike Wayne. And, well, my pick, I don't know if Danny has one, but my pick is uh, Tampa Bay uh, for two reasons. And, yes, I know that's my brand, but I think it makes sense. I think it's either that they don't win the division or the more likely outcome. They win the division. Like you said, possibly with Tennessee, but they're closer to the four seed. than they are competing for the one seed. Instead of going 13 and four, they go 10 and seven or 11 and six.
0: Uh, Wow. Yeah. I think Godwin's ACL is going to have a huge factor in how they do there. And the fact too, I know they got Shaq Mason, but you lost Ali Marpet and Alex Kara. You lost two really good guards. Mm -hmm. And then, Losing Sue up the middle on D, yep. losing Jordan Whitehead, uh, OJ Howard, Gronk, Cameron Brate's your tight end one. Yeah,
1: their their D line for years. That was their reputation, right?
0: Their D line is so
1: head stupid. coach and head, yeah, okay. That, that that's what I was going to bring up. Like,
0: I think everyone's so happy for him. I'm sorry. I think we all three see the bullshit of how Todd Bowles really is. That, we see it.
1: I look. If we're if we're wrong, we're wrong. But I know Danny agrees with me on this one. Like, I think everyone is just. I don't think enough people are pricing that in. There's too much of this, the Jets are a bad franchise. So, you know, Todd Bowles is actually a good head coach with no evidence. The evidence that people uh, have is that he was a good defensive coordinator, which does not mean anything. If people are making that argument, make that argument for Dennis Allen, too. Like, I don't get it. Like, it's very, 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 very weird. There's nothing. And Nance Joseph. Nance Joseph, too, who's killed it as a head coach in Arizona. And when he got rumored to be the head coach of the Dolphins, everyone flamed him for it. But all of a sudden, with Todd Bowles, because it's the Jets, because everyone hates Danny's team so much, it's like, oh, he's actually secretly a good coach. We just didn't really truly see it through. Like, it's you it's, brought his
0: conservative play calling up, where he would like just yeah. do. He would, you know, he he basically reminds me of a head coach of like, remember the Week 18 Denver KC game when Fangio decided to kick a field goal on fourth down instead of going yeah. for it to try to tie the game. It's the, same, I mean, it's the same sort of it's the same sort of play calling style where. A lot of the times they're like, no, 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 we'll play it safe. When sometimes, if you want to be a successful head coach, I'm sorry, you got to take risks. Like I know we flamed, we flamed John Harbaugh for last year what he did in that Steelers game and the Packers game, going for two and losing. But look, it's either like what Danny and I talked about on off air because we both lost money to fucking Steph Curry last Friday night. Where if you <laughs> up, if he had jacked up a three and missed, you can live with it. But the fact that he went for two and lost. It is what it is. If you play the safe route, you don't know if he went in overtime. So that's my whole thing with Todd Bowles. I just, I also think too, this ultimately is Brady swan song. I also don't buy for a second the whole, I just think the whole, like the, you know, the talks of him and Peyton. I just yeah. don't buy it. I don't buy the Miami stuff, even oh, though he was yeah. there for F1. I just think it was not so much Steven Ross. I think we talked about this before, but uh, I blanked on his last name, but Bruce. Bruce Beale. Bruce Beal is basically going to take over for Stephen Ross one day. I think it's just that because obviously the Michigan connection. That's right. my rant on that. But with the Bucks, though, I think they'll be good. But I think you may see some spots where, like, look at last year that game against the Rams; they were getting destroyed. And and why Bucs. why are
1: we just why are we just giving them wins against the Saints? All I hear about is oh, this division is so bad. The division is so bad. The same Saints team that keeps kicking their ass in the regular season, thirty-eight to three when they were at the height of their franchise. Even if they split, fine. That's still a split. That's not. That's not. They're not sweeping the Saints this year. No fucking way. So I, <laughs> I, I don't understand the hype of that team. And look, just know this about the NFL. I'm not even going to make any argument about Brady. Right? I do agree it's a Swanson. I everything I know about sports Maybe you guys agree or disagree. Dana White always says this. for UFC, for example. When you think about retirement, that's when you know it's over. This whole retiring and coming back thing, kind of a red flag. Like, you know, that doesn't usually go well in any sport when that happens. Pro wrestling, too. So uh, that's one thing. But the defense, in today's today's happy NFL, is it a good thing when the only good part about your defense is your linebackers? Because their secondary was bad last year. There was injuries, sure. But their secondary is inconsistent. Their D-line is getting old. Pierre Paul, who played bad last year, is now gone. Sue is gone. So it's just Shaq Barrett who's getting old himself and beat Vea, And I guess like the – Who the broke Joe his
0: Well, that was but, two years ago, my bad.
1: Yeah. But so like what? how valuable is your NFL defense in 2022 when the strength of your defense is in your linebackers? Normally it's the opposite. Normally your D-line and your secondary are good and your linebackers suck, but you don't care. Because that's the least valuable part of your defense. Like, you know, that's – that's a cause for concern and I think the Godwin injury is huge a December ACL teller is different from a September ACL tear and look Antonio Brown had his problems but he was good for them early in the season when they were getting all those wins they don't beat the Cowboys without Antonio Brown so Russell Gage is not going to have that same impact against the Cowboys in week one he'll still he'll be fine he won't do what Antonio Brown did against the Cowboys in week one last year last year that game was a win this year the game's in Dallas if that's a loss that's how you go from 13-4 and four to 10-7, even if they still win the division. Yeah,
0: and my, my, my other thing, too, with the Saints is, and I know you said the Dennis Allen thing earlier. I I called it – I said this on Twitter a while ago, because po- FanDuel posted odds for comeback player of the year. And my pick right now, it was plus 850, but it's Michael Thomas. Like, yeah. I think he can come back and have a really good year. Um, I think James if Jameis can be healthy, because even, too, I know he tore his ACL, but it was an October ACL tear, which means he'll be good to go for training camp. If their defense can be right and their offense can be – we'll see with Alvin Kamara too with his court case. But I like getting
1: Jarvis. Getting Jarvis was a good move.
0: I think Jarvis was a good move. They have Chris Olave. They have – they added Trevor Penning on their offensive line. I Even though they lost Sean Payton, I still like the Dennis Allen hiring just because it's in-house and he – like you're keeping it in the family. Like there's nothing crazy there. So I'm not saying the Saints are going to win the division by any stretch. I feel like Matt, 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 Matt's Matt got a little chubby listening to this right now. But um, – my big thing is too just I wouldn't be that shoe in with a box because obviously honest and honestly too here's the other thing with this division. It's like a roller coaster. You literally have Saints box and then you do a fucking nosedive, and then you have the Panthers and the Falcons down there. Because look, big right, I don't know if I told you this, but I have a new fit Fangio and his name's Matt Rule.
1: Yeah, and you I do remember you were on the Fangio train early. Never never forget that podcast Me, when
0: 20
1: October. Yes. We Danny, we had a podcast where us three were picking the playoffs last year. We needed one surprise playoff team. I picked the Broncos. Griff said no because he thought Banjo was gonna get fired, and they picked the Raiders. And they ended up, of course, Wow. The-
2: yeah. Yeah, no, you make a great point about the uh about the Bucks though. Like I honestly think Brady did that little retirement sham to get off the bucks. And once yeah. he re- like he he had full intentions of playing football, but once he, never he realized like there's no way out of the there's no way out of here it's either i'm playing for this team or or i really have to go and and brady's still good man you can't you don't leave the game when you're still that good so i think he realized that and you know he has to stick you know to the bucks who unfortunately like you said are trending down they'll still win the division but um but to answer the original question that i never got i know we kind of talked about them already but um you know, I have I have the Bengals not winning the division. I have the Ravens winning the division. Uh, I think I think by at least two games. So, as long as Lamar stays healthy, which he should. But there's always that question. The, I, 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 I legit think they'll have the best defense in the league this year, too. Yeah. And, and the running back's back, too.
0: Yeah. And because yeah. – and before we get into anything else, I kind of want to shift gears now to, to my boys because, obviously, we talked about both of you guys. Yep. For me with the Pats, because you brought up the linebacking point earlier, which was the Patriots essentially last year until they got exposed in the wild card round against the Bills. That's why. And I know that um, – what was I going to say? And I know that, look, there's a lot of de- – they, they went younger and faster at linebacker. They didn't draft anyone. They went They went, They went. went a little strange with the first-round pick, if you will. But I – and I know Danny's saying they're going to be down, but I still feel like if this team, with what they had in 2020 – still went seven to nine and we're knocking on the playoff door up until about week 14 week 15 and also to whooping that well, actually the charges are bad so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that off as an anomaly um i still feel like i don't know if they'll make the playoffs but i still feel like they're gonna be a competitive football team and more or the less as long as mac doesn't regress that's just the thing i think if mac doesn't regress and you're gonna hate this but i really like your boy Devontae parker coming in here kind of sliding up with kendrick Bourne. there's like a not a true number one, but there's, like, that there. And then the running back room, too, is going to depend. Damian Harris getting disrespected fan duel right now. I know Brees, Brees Hall is going to be great, but I just don't know why people are kind of, like, sleeping on Damian Harris for running back ability. And with the Pats, I think they kind of just – they'll be there. I don't know what they'll be, but I feel like they, 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 they're basically going to write their own story. They're going to write their own story, and they're going to control their own destiny this year. And I still see it being a – my, my my floor is eight wins. My ceiling's eleven. That's the same as last year for me with this team. Uh,
1: and I should I should tell you that uh, I'll let Danny talk in a second because I just wanted to comment on the Devontae thing. Um, I do agree that stylistically the receivers kind of fit now. Like you have you have a, like a prototypical big big bodied X. You have Jacoby over the middle of the field. You even have Tyquan Thornton and Aguilar like who could stretch the field. Like it does kind of the pieces kind of complement each other now, which is good. Parker, look, Parker gets hurt. You learn this the hard way. Like he'll have weeks where he's like questionable all week. He'll give you hope that he's playing, and, and you'll find out. out. You'll find out Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you'll find out he's out.
0: Eleven thirty. So, got it. What? Eleven thirty.
1: Yes. Yes. Very very much like of that of that ilk. Uh so I like Devonte. Devonte was, despite the reputation, like Devontae was good for Tua. Whenever Devonte played, Tua's. A dot usually rose, like it was always higher in the games Devonte played because he would go down the field a little more often. Despite the reputation that he doesn't throw to outside clashers, like he he was throwing to Devonte plenty when Devonte was in the lineup. But you'll know, you'll see this. You'll get hurt. He'll you'll have those games where it's like he's hurt and Agalor's hurt, and you just have Kendrick and Jacoby, and you're like, oh, what is going on here? But I I do I unlike Danny, I think their floor is pretty high. Like their floor is probably what we saw in 2020 because this roster is way better than that one was. So, like, they're always good to at least – it's kind of like Tomlin. Like, it's hard to see them winning less than eight games no matter what. So, I'm not counting them out. I think they can very easily win nine or ten games again. They can easily win eight games again. I'm, I think everything is on the table with them. And last thing I'll say before I hit it to Danny, Taequann Thornton. I've studied him for years because he's from Miami. He. I have him in a, in a Debbie League. And for those who do not know, a Debbie league is a developmental league where you draft college players. And they gra- when they go to the NFL, they graduate into your NFL dynasty league. And so I've had Taequann Thornton for two years now. I've followed him very closely. I think he's a good player. He's a burner. Like, that, him. what he did at the Combine was not a fluke. And it's exactly what the Patriots needed. I know he is not, like, he was not ranked highly going into the draft. Like, a lot of people didn't think that he was worthy of being a second-round pick. But I always liked him. I always think he thought he was good. I wanted my dolphins to take him on day three instead of Ezukanma, who they ended up taking. Like I think he's a good player. So I would not rule out maybe, maybe not in year one. We see this all the time. Wide receivers new to New England. Year one is usually a struggle. But yeah, I wouldn't rule that out.
0: It's kind of like how last year, before we get to Danny quickly want to add, last year I know people were drafting Ramondre Stevenson in fantasy, and I kind of told him stay away because he, he obviously was an exception, but I can see the same thing where he gets out there, and he makes a few flash plays, but don't rely on Tyquan Thornton to win you your fantasy championship. Yeah. Danny.
2: Yeah, man. No, I mean, obviously, when you're coached by Bill Belichick, you're always going to have a chance. You're always going to be in it. It's just that the defense, man. It it's just really, really worries me. I mean, outside of um, outside of uh, 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 Judon and the safety, like who who who's really who's really there. Every, a lot of guys. There's a lot of question marks that really li- have to step up. I, I really li-
0: like the Jabril Peppers edition. I'm going to say that right now. I think he's due for a bounce. I think he's due for a bounce back.
2: I like I like Kyle Duggar a lot. I've always
1: liked him. Like I always thought he was like a big physical presence in the middle of the field. I was I was always a big fan of his. Uh, so you know, like they they got guys like they got my guy God Chow, like
2: Ronnie Perkins, like when he drafted last year, they, they have some players.
0: And also, they too, have, yeah, yeah.
2: just With- question marks. So they have to hit. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, obviously, the scheme's always going to be there. Belichick's always going to be a defensive genius, but are the players going to be able to to perform that? Are they going to be able to come through? You know, and that's just on one side of the ball. You know, I, I also think max's going to regress, but that's another story. But it's re- it's really cornerbacks, right? Like that's what it is.
1: Like it's corner because like oh, absolutely, and yeah. linebackers because like McCordy, Dugger, and Adrian Phillips—that's as good as most teams have at, at safety.
0: Yeah, our safety depth is not an issue. Uh, Adrian Phillips, too, I'm going to add this, is on a sweetheart of a contract. I think it's like $9 million total he's making. It's re- He signed – I woke up to that on New Year's Day. That was a really, really good contract for him. Linebacker, they completely tore it down. Kyle Van Noy went to the Chargers. Hightower's not even signed at the moment, one of my favorite Patriots of all time. Two great Super Bowl plays, I might add. But the thing is, too, that's the one thing that worries me. He still is cornerback, but I do like the safety room. Linebacking. Cameron McGrone as well. They're really high on. He didn't. He obviously tore his ACL in November of 2020. So last year was a red shirt rookie year for him. Didn't play at all. And my thing too is with them. I'm, I I said this on Twitter and I got kind of lashback from it. I think John New Smith is going to have a breakout year. I said explode. Yeah, it was a little out of context, but I can see John New Smith exploding, especially because I think this year I'm not. I can't ever say this again because I don't think we're ever going to see a Gronk and Hernandez connection again. Like the caliber. Don't do league. it,
2: man. Don't do it. Don't
0: do it. Hey Hunter, But Hunter Danny,
1: Hunter Henry had a good year. Like it's not like Hunter Henry was bad. Like Hunter like Henry. Like when Martellus
0: Bennett was on the Patriots is where I was going with. That's fine. But you know, you yeah, think I, was no, going?
2: I, I thought you were gonna say maybe a step below them.
0: No, 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 no. I look I ranked I call I call them the Boston Tea Party. T E well, no A. Boston Tea Party, no A. That's always up here. Those two were great. My biggest what if in the NFL is what if Aaron Hernandez didn't Kill killed Odin Lloyd and everything like that. He just signed a monster contract. That's my big, biggest what-if in the NFL, for as dark as it is. And I think this year Hunter Henry is – Hunter Henry I think will have a similar year. I just think Jonu Smith, with no fullback, he's going to be a lot more in the passing game than the protection game.
2: And, and the thing is, what are, what are they even doing at, at offensive coordinator? Like what playbook are they are – they- playing on right now is, it, is joe like i i griff you, I'm, I'm letting you can, can you correct this if i'm wrong I, the
1: meme that i'm reading like on nfl twitter and you know i'm a little involved in patriots twitter that it's like Barry. That like that like no one knows what coaches are calling plays for either side of the ball or something along those lines
0: they're honestly playing they're like i gotta see it i think it was on monday but they're all basically playing a game of like we don't know who, but we feel like the following is going to apply. Like, I saw him do it. I saw Andrew Callahan do it. They're remaining very close to the chest. They even did this with their scouting and player personnel department where, obviously, um, Dave Ziegler went to the went to the Raiders. And then, and, you know, we have these things called do-your-job videos where basically we profile different people. They did the equipment staff. Yeah. They did Josh McDaniels. They've done a few other people. They even did, like, the film guys. And then for this video on what scouts do, it literally said, Matt Groh director of player personnel. And so everyone in Patriots land went, oh, so I guess Matt Groh got the job. (laughs) It's literally going to be that. In August, it's just going to be like the file sheet's going to go out from the media relations. Shout Stacey James, one of the best in the game to do it, is going to basically show the media the guidebook at training camp. And I'm going to see all the tweets of everyone being like, oh, so here are the official titles. That's the thing. It's just so close to the vest. They don't want anything getting out. The only thing that's there is that the defensive roles, and the fact that Joe Judge is an offensive assistant. That's all his title is for right now. But also you got to look at it. Quarterbacks coach in Vegas, wide receivers coach now in Vegas. There's a couple other people that are in Vegas. The only offensive coach that's consistent from last year is Ivan Fears, who's been with the Patriots since the 90s so, and who's to retire. Could
2: you I mean, really? just hire Adam Gase already, man. Come on. Could you have a world where Joe
1: Judge and Matt Patricia are the co-offensive coordinators? Is, is that an option?
0: I mean, who is it? There was someone. I think it was Josh McDaniels coached like three years of defense before he took over as quarterback's coach. So it's like Bill's so weird like that, that, it would wor- that he would probably do it. And I would only love it because if they succeed, Giants fans are going to be so fucking pissed because it's like we had two years of Joe Judge and we brought him back, and then a day later we fired him because our fan base was pissed where John Mara had to step in. And all of a sudden, like that, I'm sorry, I love the dunk on Giants fans because I feel like beating us in two Super Bowls got them an eternity of losing on top of the boat photo. And the de- the
1: de- the defense is at least still like – like Gerard Mayo has been coaching the linebackers for years, and Steve Belichick does the secondary. So And then Bill obviously has a big role. So that's that's at least consistent, right? Like that's going to have to turn around.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the most consistent part. Like I'll, I'll look up the list right now of the exact titles and everything. Uh, Actually staff. So yeah, is Josh McDaniels left. Carmen Brasillo, who was the offensive line coach, Mick Lombardi at wide receiver and Bo Hardgree, who was the offensive quality, offensive quality and quarterbacks. Right now defensive, it is Steve Belichick is outside linebackers and safeties and Gerard Mayo is inside linebackers. So they just say the positions, but no one's officially the uh, D.C. And, oh, right here, Uh, this may be wrong, but, oh, and Troy Brown's still back. And then uh, Matt Patricia's also doing the offensive line, according to this. This is Wikipedia. And Joe Judge right now is the quarterback's coach. So we'll see what happens. It is May 18th, but we will find out in probably, I don't know, eight weeks from now who's officially what.
1: Uh, This is hilarious. Belichick, look, me and Danny stand by everything we said. You know, Belichick, floor of eight wins and all that stuff. Just let you know, this reminds me so much of what the Dolphins did last year. It is so similar. Because it wasn't just – everyone knows that we had two offensive coordinators and everyone was joking about it with Eric Studesville and um, uh, George Godsey. And, yeah, sure, I was like, look, maybe – they do do this in college football. In college football, there's co-OCs all the time. It's not that crazy. But – in the end, of, with the Dolphins, it got even weirder because like right the week before the season started, it was rumored that Charlie Fry, the quarterback's coach, was also involved in play calling too. And that's when it got out of control. That's when it's like, this is an absolute disaster. No one knows what's going on. And thankfully, over the course of the year, it became more – I think over the course of the year, it basically just got narrowed down to He calls the plays. And that's what it was by the end. So, yes, you'll find out eventually. It is funny. And my Dolphins were dunked on for this. So it's only fair to say it sounds
2: kind of stupid.
0: But hopefully it, does. it will. It does it's work. a
2: bad process, man.
0: It's a bad process. And also the other thing I will say too, and this guy kind of laughed at, but I still remember uh, when we drafted Bailey Zappi, I kind of went, what the fuck? But then I realized, well, for one of two things. One, it started a debate in Boston sports where everyone's saying, oh, do they believe in Mac Jones? Which my Giardi <laughs> of NFL Network surely went – they love Mac Bailey Zappi's there because they knew Jared Stidham was not going to work out. Bailey Zappi's the guy you draft cool. for long – you, you need depth options. Like, I even remember – I was pumped about getting Brian Hoyer, but I feel like when he retires, Brian Hoyer could easily become quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator of this team. Just He's been there. He's done it. It's He, he owns a house in Mass. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, this – it's a very intriguing spot with the Patriots, but I still look at 23 or 24 because next year, look, and also that's the other thing too with a lot of people. A lot of people in Pat's Twitter are like, oh, why are we spending? Why do we lose this? Why do we do that? Look, you don't have magical money come around every year. Next year, however, though, when the cap goes up, the Patriots have yeah. they have a lot to spend again. So we'll see what happens. But even next year, they can get out of the Nelson Aguilar contract. No problem. This is the last year of it. It's just a dead cap hit for it would have been insane this year if they did.
1: And, I, and, then let's give, and I'll give him some love. I know I, I'm, I'm very hard on him on the show, as is Danny. And I think rightfully so, just because from our perspective, that midseason point where the Patriots were like the one seed, yep. it felt like people were just getting carried away. And any debate to make him rookie of the year over Jamar Chase, I don't give a fuck how important quarterback is. That would have been horrible, like horrible. And thankfully by the end, it was obvious. But still, there was that debate midseason. I want to cut you off for a second. <laughs>
0: I palmerishly still had him in there until the Chiefs game week 17 when Jamar Chase went sickle mode against Kansas City. And then, eventually, and then eventually after that game, I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't bullshit anymore. It's Chase's award.
1: I, I will say, to Mac Jones' credit, like me and Danny have questions about his upside. And then some of new England does too. I hear some of that chatter. It's yep. very, let me tell you, man, everything that's going on up there is very similar <laughs> to what I've gone through the past year. Like all of it, the offensive coaches, the questions about the quarterback, it just sounds so similar. The whole script, even, even as similar as cutting Kyle Noy. it's like following everything to a T. Um, but the give Matt credit in the sense of he is at worst, a high floor quarterback. So He's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to have more interceptions than touchdowns and lead you to a five-win season. Like he's always going to be at least solid, and that is to his credit. That he'll at worst be like a twenty-two touchdown, ten interception quarterback, no matter what. So
0: Kirk Cousins, hey. I said on the draft show in twenty twenty-one, Marquin solemnly agreed with me, and this was before he was a Patriot. When I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to San Francisco. His ceiling was Kirk Cousins in Washington. I don't know if he'll ever be a top 10 quarterback, but he can be right now in that Derek Carr category where I, I see some people put Derek Carr in their top 10 when I say immediately stop it. But he can be in that 11 to 16 window in that top that top tier of NFL quarterback where I feel like you can feel comfortable with him as your starter year in and year out. Now he's not going to you know be that guy like we see Josh Allen right now. Obviously we know Josh Allen is is that guy like I said he won the PR battle today too with a thing with stuff going on in Buffalo if Matt can come in here and be solid and you know what win a few games and maybe you know what go deep in the playoffs once or twice it's good but I think more than anything it's more than him it's gonna matter what they do to build around him I think now you build to his strengths more than his weaknesses
1: and I'm sure this comes up in Boston all the time he's already better than Brady was his first year and that was good enough to win a Super Bowl and yes Brady took steps. oh my
2: god. He what he is? What no? Man. That's fine. That's fine. But like, come on, man. Of course, he's supposed to be better than a sixth round pick.
0: Well, but think about this too, year. though. Brady, we don't. The two thousand and one season may never happen if Mo Lewis of the New York Jets doesn't murder or nearly mm. kill yeah. Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> Literally, Drew Bledsoe was on his deathbed in Mass General. Like I that yeah. And, and hey, look to your bit,
1: like because I get this flack from people all the time. It's like, oh, well, there's a world where Tua is only Jimmy G, and it's like, well, Jimmy G with this team, like a Jimmy G caliber quarterback with a good roster, can get you to the Super Bowl. And sure, you can't do that for ten years. I understand that, but like, fine. like, we'll be in a Super Bowl in a year or two. Like where I've fucking been, where Danny's fucking been, we'll take that. Like we're not, we're not spoiled like San Francisco or New England. Like. That to us would mean everything. That would be like a crowning moment in our lives. To go from, uh, I'm going to who, say it, so who, to who Go from Jake Mike... Locker, man. Oh, shut, shut, okay, shut the fuck up. Go, go, Griff. My,
0: The one thing I was going to say too about Saf- I just wanted to go on San Francisco quickly, man. To go from Mike LaFleur to Mike McDaniel to Anthony Lynn and Brian Greasy. I, if Trey, Lance, if Trey Lance is their starter, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains with well, the football team.
1: P- Peter Schrager, he was on, I think he was with uh, with Bill Simmons. He did the Bill Simmons podcast, which is strange, obviously, because Bill's doing heavy basketball this time of the year. Yeah. But he had, he had Peter Schrager on, and Schrager said he really doesn't think San Francisco will sell Jimmy G at a discount, and they won't outright cut him. Like, it's either he is on the team or they get a good pick for him. Yeah. He really believes they will not cut him. They will not trade him for a six-round pick just so Trey Lance can start. They, It's genuinely, he's either on the team Or they get a good pick and no nothing else in between. So if they never, I think he
2: started for them.
1: That we're getting more and more closer to that. It could be a situation. Do you remember last year when they lost to the Colts on Sunday Night Football and they were like three and five and people were wondering, is this where you do the switch? It could be that again this year, but this time they actually make the switch. Like he's the starter week one. Everyone overreacts and is critical of Trey Lance, and then by week eight, this time they actually give it to Trey Lance and give it to him full time.
0: Um, I completely see that too. Um, one other quick game I want to play with you guys before we got out of here today. I know obviously I said Matt rule earlier for hot seat, but if you had to guess one coach right now, that's potentially going to be on the hot seat going into the year. And I'll, I'll let one of you two go first. Who would it be? And why?
1: I always go first. Danny gets to go first. We we can't say, I
2: mean, can't say Matt rule. That's too obvious.
0: Yeah, that's I would what I'm say, saying, not obvious. I would say I would say
2: a P. Carroll
0: retirement, maybe. Uh, Does that count? Uh, You know what? I was going to say no, but I'm in a good mood, so I'll say yes. Like
2: like a little wink-wink retirement where, like, yeah, you know, this is running its course. You know, this is what it's going to be. we got to go another direction. But we'll I let have, you retire. What, Dave what happened Gentleman. to Dave,
0: Gettle- yeah, Dave Gettleman's not. Yeah. pissed off Giants fans where it's like, yo, fuck you, you don't deserve to retire. It's like, yeah, let the man retire.
1: Uh, I got okay. I'm gonna get ballsy, and I got two. I got two interesting ones. I think I, I, I like both in different ways. So, okay, three, three surprises, three surprise. The first one's ridiculous, but I'm gonna throw it out there for fun. Uh, Lovey Smith, because the Texans are the Texans, and they just yeah. like say fuck this and like <laughs> finally hire Josh McCown. <laughs> like we only did this because the Brian Flores lawsuit. We're finally hiring Josh McCown, et cetera. But that, that's kind of a, a joke answer. But you got you got you guys can also kind of see it. Yeah. So.
0: The
1: Josh the, the second, uh, Robert Sala, if he royally implodes, because if he wins four games again, I don't think he's coming back. I agree with Danny. They're going to win more than that. They're going to grow and all that. I don't know if he survives two four-win seasons, though. I really don't. Like, not with, with Woody Johnson and the Jets, that's interesting. A young guy – we see coaches get fired after two years. It happens all the time. So just putting that in the back of your mind. The third one that I think is more legitimate, that I think no one is talking about – but the argument becomes a lot stronger next December. What about Ron Rivera? Hear me out. They finished last in their division, right? Most people are expecting that. I think they could be better than that, but most people think they'll be last in the division. Let's say they go five and 12. This is his resume. Seven and nine, seven and ten, five and 12. Sure, you made the playoffs. You made the playoffs in like the worst division in NFL history his first year in the COVID year. Seven and ten, seven and... Seven and nine, seven and 10, five and 12. That gets you fired in a lot of places after three years. Something to think about.
0: So, something to think about. That. Um, I agree with the Robert Sala one, too. I think if Zach doesn't take, especially if Zach doesn't take that next level, if we see the same Zach we saw in 2021. Um, my one question is I wanted to ask Danny about this. Where would Joe Douglas stand if they had a season like that? Do you think he'd be gone or do you think he's kind of safer right now?
2: Um, I think you would have to clean house if they went that route because, you know, you can't be trusted to take another quarterback. You took one at number two overall. If you're going four and whatever, you clearly flopped. So I think they would clean house. I don't think this scenario is real in any in any way. So I'm not going to pay light to it. But Danny, it's not real in the sense that you don't think they'll win four games. But can you
1: like the conditional probability if they win four games? If they if
2: they if, if they if they won four games they're non competitive and Zach Wilson is a total bust, yes. That's where I would that's where I would make the move. I mean now, yeah. if they're winning four games, they're they're in every game, they're shooting out. Um Zach Wilson looks like you know the quarterback that he's supposed to be, or just missing some things on defense. You got you know, it's an injury riddled the year, that's a little different. Like I, I can do the
1: same here. Like if the Dolphins go two and fifteen or something crazy like that. Greer, Greer would have to be fired. Have to be. There would be no way around that. And then are you going to do that thing that bad franchises do where you fire the GM, you force the next GM to keep the head coach? This is what the Giants, this is what the Giants did with Joe Judge. Like, yeah, sure. Like Joe Judge deserved it, but it was also they knew they were hiring another GM. You hurt yourself in the GM search if you force them to keep Joe Judge. So you just clean slate. Obviously, I think I think Mike McDaniel's a good coach from what I've seen. I think they're going to be great this year. But if they fire Chris Greer. If they fire, yeah, they fire Chris Greer, it's just like tough luck, kid. Sorry. Like you came at the wrong time. Especially if Steve thinks he
2: can get Sean The guy I'm high on is is Mike LaFleur. And everyone knows this guy's a gem in the rough. You know, he's a he's a star in the making. And I really would not want to lose him. Um, so I think and I think the Jets realize what they have, and I think they realize he really has serious potential to become a head coach. So if I mean if they made a lateral move like that, I don't think he would he would even accept the job because he's so close with Robert Sala, but you know to keep that guy in your in your uh, in your building is is huge right now. He's actually more important than Robert Sala is this year. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I like him too, for the record. I was very impressed with him in that Dolphins game we saw last year. They were create. He was. It wasn't just that one play call that everyone's copying the the lateral pitch back that Dallas tried in the playoffs and epically fucked it up. He was creative. He got the most out of what he had. I I, I think he's shown
2: a lot in his first year. Yeah, the, the the game he called against the Buccaneers when the Jets literally had nobody at receiver was a masterpiece. So like that that guy that guy and he had he took a lot of criticism the first uh, month of the season last year, but you know he went back in the booth where he normally always was, and that guy just became fucking a star. So we'll see if Zach can translate. Now it's the second year in the system. You know he's familiar with everything, and this is where the quarterbacks take jumps, man. You got to remember, Zach didn't come from a Power Five school. Correct. You know, to have the expectations this guy has and just coming in and, and light up the league was—it was unrealistic, man. But now, a second year in the NFL,
0: we'll, we'll see. It was also the fact too that he got smoked by a lot of schools when he played schools with better records. He was beating up on a lot of lower-tier schools at BYU as well. That was—that was my big thing of why I knew he'd struggle in his rookie season because, like, remember he played Coastal Carolina and he got embarrassed, Shadow Phil. At the,
2: at the and, same time, outside of Brady Christensen, who's in the NFL?
0: From BYU,
2: like and, honestly, on the NFL roster,
0: uh, well, quarterback wise, I don't know, but I know Kyle Van Noy for a linebacker,
2: and well, and, that was
0: on a Zach Wilson. That team, was on same. Zach's team, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. okay, yeah.
1: Well, I do want well, I want to ask Danny a question though, because I'm curious on this, and I know like we have, we have to wrap up because I have to head out soon, but I like it, this is one of the fun odysseys of us doing this podcast. Us three is we're all kind of in a similar spot, obviously with the quarterbacks. Mine is different because mine is in his third year. So, like, yeah. very different from what you guys are dealing with. But it is a fun, like, thing that we're constantly talking about locally, the questions, you know, New England, like, New England drafting Billy Zappi in the fourth round and people freaking out over it. Like, it's fun, like, kind of this quarterback intrigue that our three teams have right now that will decide the fate of our division for a long time. Danny, what if Zach does what Tua did, where he goes from bad to average? He did improve, like, to objectively. Say we talk about Tua. Tua objectively improved from his rookie year. Like, just. It's undeniable. He did. But because you're average and not a franchise quarterback, people get mad at you. People view that as a disappointment, especially when other guys in your class prove to be franchise quarterbacks faster than you did. So maybe the expectations – maybe if every one from the 2021 class is kind of the same,
2: it won't be that big of a deal. But, Daniel, how does the New York market handle that? What if he's – Well, what if he's- the thing is, is he – is he doing? Is he making the the the, the Tua's, uh interceptions still? Is he is he fucking like the the fine average? Because there's there's you know I don't I mean, even think Tua's average right now. I think he's below average. Okay, well look, most metrics
1: I've, I've done the research on this. Almost every metric quarterbacks combine it, group it up. He's like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL right now. Which like there's 32 total. So fine if you want to say that's slightly below average because it's less than 16. Fine, it's kind of in the same tier.
2: But you get the point. So I think you have to be okay with that because honestly, you're 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 betting on his on his on his upside. You're betting on his ceiling. And Josh Allen's second year wasn't was he even average in his second year? Yeah, nah, not nah, you, yeah. you know what I mean. Nah. And and the th- and the thing is, you know, Josh Allen came from a non-power five school too. You know, it takes some time. But um, you know, if you see the flashes, you know, you're you're betting on the flashes. You're betting on the upside. Um, right. so I think you have to be okay with that.
1: Cause I'm just wondering like what I'm going through and what Griff is, even though you guys have quarterbacks from the same class, Griff is going through this in a way that you're not like when oh, absolutely, this this obsession in the NFL, which is driving me crazy that like, you need like this, you need this top five quarterback with a cannon to win a super bowl, which is just not true. It's never been true, but everyone is so obsessed with Herbert and Allen and Mahomes and even like Stafford, even though he's not at that level, he at least like, obviously we all know has a gun. Like everyone is so obsessed we're thinking you need someone at that level to win a Super Bowl, which has just never been true in NFL history. And you you then get questions, even though Griff's guy is still a fucking rookie, you have people saying, including us to be fair, like, oh, he's good, but is he good enough? You know, like that kind of that kind of stick.
0: I completely agree with that. And um, I think if Zach Wilson is an average NFL quarterback this year, I think Robert Sala and Joe Douglas have on another year of security where it's like year three you're going to be in that Miami sphere where it's Zach's really going to take off or it's done. it's got to look, like, you know how Josh Allen in 2020 really yeah. like, I think if like, say if Josh Allen doesn't take off in 2020, who knows if Sean McDermott is still the coach in Buffalo, you and,
1: know? And Josh Allen for sure is gone. There's no way he would have gotten a fourth year. Like if he was playing, like he did his first two years, there's no way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, I, am going to go the same road as you big rat. I'm going to give three coaches. I'm going to give one. That's just like, it's, it's poking. It's just easy. It's low hanging fruit. That's Mike McCarthy in Dallas, because obviously, look, we all expect the same thing every January. Um, like what I expect from my beloved Maple Leafs every spring. Um, the second one's a little bit off the wall, but I can see it happening, especially if this team regresses, and that's Nick Sirianni, just because yeah. we know Philadelphia's.
1: I like that one. I like that one. We Nick's don't know what's high.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Expectations are high. They got AJ Brown, they got Jordan Davis. Actually, a pretty good draft, the Philadelphia Eagles. But expectations are high to where if they get off to a rough start, you know Eagles fans are gonna be pissed. The third one for me is interesting, and it may not be because of him, but Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Now hear me out. I know they had the season his first year, they go to the divisional round. But is missing two years in the is missing two years of playoffs in a row enough to keep your job, especially after the one season where you effectively the same thing with Tennessee did in 2020 and the 2020 FC Championship game we you had Casey on the ropes. Patrick Williams goes out with a concussion, sure, but you could argue Cleveland should have won that game, and Chad Henney decided to have that crazy third down run. If Cleveland makes the AFC Championship game that year, I think his job is safe, but I think if Cleveland, even to, let's put the Watson stuff aside, because we don't know what's, where that's gone yet. That there's still, That's still getting unraveled. That's a day-by-day onion layer at a time thing. If this team goes 7-10 and ten again, I don't know if that's enough for him to keep his job. I don't know if he can say, oh, but Deshaun's coming, this and that. Yeah. you got Amari Cooper. You've got other pieces. I think there's a legitimate chance that the Cleveland Browns have a down year, regardless of what happens off the field. I don't know if it's enough to save Stefanski's job. So that's why I have those three, even though the one I really do agree with is the nudge-nudge wink-wink from Danny. I also would have said Cliff Kingsbury, but the fact that he just got signed in a new deal – it would look horrible in the Cardinals organization for Michael Bidwell if you let him walk, even though, rightfully so, I don't think either one of him or Kime deserved to be extended.
1: Yeah, it would be it would be a world where he like has a bad year, everyone wants him fired, they can't fire him, and there's just like a lot of embarrassment like throughout the offseason about it. Like you know, yeah, not a firing, just like yeah, we understand, we fucked up, it is what it is, deal with it, and then you then you're kind of like Matt Maggie in his last year, where yeah. the entire year everybody just knows. We're just delaying the inevitable here.
0: Or Mike Zimmer even last year too with Minnesota was the same thing. Um, my other one too, and this is another off the wall, but I could see it happening if the team – I know, look, they've done some stuff to not make it better, but to give hope where I think if they don't improve. But Dan Campbell, I know a lot of people buy into him. Mm-hmm. I, love, I have a soft spot for him. But if they go 2-15, and 15, I don't know how you bring them back. If you win five games in two years, obviously I know Detroit's in a rebuild and they kind of finally bought into that long-term game, I just don't know how you make up for it. I know they gave him a six-year deal. I know he brings enthusiasm and passion and everything. But I don't – I think if they improve on their Wintel, there's going to be a lot of question marks of, okay, is he just a character or is he actually a really good NFL head coach?
2: Yeah, and you know I wasn't big on that hiring either. It's just, like, guys like him and Arthur Smith, like, you you don't hire them with the the, the mindset that the thing is going to get turned around in two years. Like, it's a it's a three-, four-year – you know, turn around, rebuild, like you got to fully rebuild things. You can't just give up on plans two years in doing another for another two years. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how you don't get good head coach candidates to even come in and try to fix it. You know, no one was big on Dan Campbell at all. Like, no, you know, that guy came out of nowhere. One and two,
1: but like they are now getting some smoke. And like, this is like, if we, like when we do the regular season podcast, like this is like a very classic move for me the bad team that everyone's predicting to take a step forward. And they're like a year too early. They're like, like, I saw Mina Kimes like did a whole segment on how she likes them. And a few people were saying, yeah, you got to bet the lions over, you know, they're well coached. They were in every game last year. It's like, this is always a huge trap. Like this is the team that like is winless the whole year has like a strong December. Everyone's projecting them to take this like leap, not to be a playoff team or anything, but there's plenty of people that are, there's some people that think they can win five games. There's some people that think they'll finish ahead of the bears in the standings. I've seen that a few times. Like, this it's like a classic trap where it's like you're getting too ahead of yourselves, you're overweighting them being in close games last year. They were like, I think they were the best team against
0: the spread of anyone. They were really good, I think they were 12 and 5 against the spread.
1: And so, you overcorrect, you predict too much too soon, and then it's like, oh, wait, this is still a very bad team, which is what they are. They're a bad team. I understand that they're well coached and all that, but they're, the, the, they're just not there yet. I, I kind of still expect them to finish top five in the draft, and you yeah, do definitely work. should. Danny's right. Danny's right. You should expect this. That should be the plan. But bad franchises, when you start to, like, get a little ahead of yourself, you know, it can kind of come crashing down a little bit. Like, you wouldn't be surprised. You know, kind of like Robert
2: Sala, too. Like, Robert Sala wouldn't deserve to be fired after two years. But but he also has the by, – by a mile has the best situation out of those other two coaches that – or Arthur Smith and uh, Dan Campbell, by oh, far. Wow. He actually, he actually had a chance this year. Like, these guys – like especially the Falcons, I'm I think they pick number one overall next year. Like they yeah. have nothing, dude. Well, and then can yeah. I
0: can I give one more coach? Actually, sure. I have a lot of high expectations for this team, but I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to happen. That's Frank Wright from the Indianapolis Colts. That is
1: that is one to watch.
0: Like right. I, like Jonathan Taylor is my fantasy running back one. Great offensive line. You got a solid defense. Tight end still a question mark. I don't fully trust Malachi Cox as a tight end one. Um, obviously, look—they added Alec Pierce. They have our boy MPJ, but and Paris Campbell too is another one of those players where it's either he's healthy or he's not. Yes.
2: And don't—they don't... Need, they, they need one more receiver, man. They do.
0: M- M- MPJ is
2: not a bona fide one. We like him, but he's—he's he's not a number one. He's a, he's a thousand yard receiver though. Like, can't, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's Maybe. fine. He's a nice—he's a nice number two though.
0: But he's not like that Devontae Adams, like no. Mike, like in that. Upper upper echelon of tight ends. He's not tight ends. Very Sport nice thievers. number two.
2: Very he, nice number two.
0: He's in that same category. Like I'd put, I don't know. Fox, man, cool. bring
2: in Julio. Bring in Julio. Why not? The Mike,
1: Mike Williams for the Chargers last year had like a really fucking good year. He just he makes twenty million dollars a year now. Like, you
2: know what's wrong with that? That's fine. But is he doing that without Keenan Allen on the other side? No, you probably know, not. But bring bring in Julio, man. The familiar is there with Matt Ryan. You know, you need another receiver. That's the perfect spot for Julio. Mike Williams last year, twelve hundred yards, not bad. Oh, absolute stud. Yeah. but he's not doing that as a number one.
0: The Spanos family finally decided to open the paycheck as the uh, their paycheck as well and do that because I think I don't know if you saw this, but Derwin James is only making three point one million. That's not going to be a big contract next year.
1: And and uh, the it is going to be a huge contract, but on the on the Reich thing, I, I just wanted to say don't forget to include Chris Ballard in that because they're tied oh, yeah. The Like yeah, and it, to your point, like Jim Ursay like was so upset when they lost that Jaguars game. He was so emotionally like destroyed. He's flaming. I in post- Jacksonville play. in the spread in that one. Yeah, so did I. Danny Dan, Dan told me it was a bad fucking idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen I read a, I read a, I read an article yesterday that Vegas was shitting bricks that uh the Raiders and the uh Chargers were going to tie that night because they would have took the biggest hit in gambling history if that had happened. Really? Oh wow. Yeah, what the they had parlays where what uh Jacksonville money line. What was the other game that needed to happen?
1: Uh, Steelers a, Steelers
2: yeah, the Steelers the, the Ravens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Steelers being the Ravens and 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 the Ra- the Raiders going to a tie. They would have got killed.
0: Well, I had, I had Steelers on the spread that week too. Week 18 was my best gambling week of the season.
2: I, I know that
0: Jacksonville thing
2: better.
1: Our Dolphin fans know that Jacksonville thing better than any other fan base in the world. Us who beat the Patriots every year. And now people get it, but Griff remembers this. Every year, year after year, we would beat them and people would forget the result happened and the next year predict the Patriots win. Every single year, the Dolphins were underdogs in almost all of those games. And it drove us crazy. It's like we always beat them in Miami. Why aren't you listening to us? Jacksonville has beaten the Colts in Jacksonville for seven
2: straight years. Seven
1: straight
2: years. Still, I will pick the Colts next year. I promise you that. Um,
0: my other thing too. This year, this year, by the way, the Dolphins are a three and a half point favorite. I believe this season, so they're, fi- they're finally catching on. We're, about
1: finally, we're finally getting even. We're finally getting the respect that we deserve. Even twenty twenty, we were favored when we played Cam Newton in December. yeah, But we were only only two-point favorites. We weren't even given the full three-point home respect.
0: Yeah, but no, Detroit last year, I remember they cost a lot of people money because they finally were like slowly starting to be like, hey, is this the year for them? But every game I remember last year, I'm like, oh, Detroit's a team where they're going to go – they're going to have a game against a team where it's like, oh, hey, maybe this is it. This is the game they win, and then they get their asses kicked. Like, do you remember the game against Philly on Halloween last year? That was a game where I'm like, this is a game that they can win. No, they got smoked. I think it was like forty-one to six.
1: Yeah, because the Eagles, the Eagles were two and five going into that game, and they had the Eagles looked terrible against the Raiders the week before, and that was a very classic. The game was in Detroit. It's like, oh, this is the one that the winless team can finally get their win, and just got
0: murdered. Absolutely, yeah. it's like the whole thing too. And then I actually have a really good story about gambling last year. Um, I don't know what it was. I was actually walking my dog before week. It was the week before Thanksgiving. The Bills were playing the Colts, and I remember I was looming over the Colts to cover the spread that week, just because I'm like, you know what, why not? I see a dude walking around in my in my neighborhood wearing a Darius Leonard jersey, out of all things, and I'm like, sign. It's just that's that's something with sports gambling. I've have come to notice if you have a gut feeling or if you see a sign, you go with it. Don't look back on it. I went on it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do um, let's do the uh, Colts to cover the spread, and the Colts whooped them. That was the Jonathan Taylor's coming out party game.
2: Yeah, I had a little story like that that didn't go well. When I saw, uh, I went on Croft Boulevard and I decided to bet on Tyler Croft's touchdown.
0: Didn't even fucking come close. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: my worst days! Didn't even come
0: close. (laughs) Oh my god, I remember that. I remember I picked that, and Danny's in my comments on my videos I post. He's like Croft Daddy, and I'm just like, yeah, let's go. And then he doesn't do anything, and I'm like, what the fuck?
2: I saw the sign, man. I was like, yeah, he's scoring this week.
0: Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, it's talks like this that make the NFL so great is the fact that we're still four months away from kickoff and we're having debates like this when literally all it is is a giant what if until pads go on.
1: And just just everyone remember, when you're betting spreads, as a 58% capper over the last two years, betting five NFL lines every week, the key is... Always fade the overreaction. And, like, great example last year for me, the Giants played the Bucks on Monday Night Football. Me and me and Griff are doing a podcast, of course, yep. as we always do. Bucks killed them. And then the next week, the Giants were at home against the Eagles. And the Eagles were minus four. And it's like, that is classic NFL. A primetime game, the bad team gets their asses kicked. They're a home division underdog that's just easy money every single time. And the Giants won the game outright in that game. That's what hurts through four interceptions.
0: Like, but you know a good bet to take whenever the Giants play the Eagles? What? Boston Scott, touchdown.
1: That's true. The Giant killer.
0: Yep. Take a Boston Scott. I, I picked him up in fantasy because I'm like, you know what? He's there. Giants playing the Eagles. He's good for at least a touchdown and maybe like 100 yards. Boston Scott, for some reason, flourishes against the Giants. Like I would literally just have him there just being like waiting and lurking for that game. The other story I have quickly with Giants and Bucks is 2020 I remember it was Bucks minus 11 and a half and I'm like that just seems too that seems too high Giants lost by two I'm like there's a certain times like that where it's just like you see certain things like last year too I thought like I did it too with the Giants and the Chiefs game where I'm like because that's the one thing still Chiefs great football team Patrick bones great quarterback Chiefs though horrible spread team yeah Always, they're always,
1: they're always overrated by the public. They're always overrated in betting markets.
0: They were a little better last year, but to start off last year, they were really bad, and they were seven and nine in twenty twenty. I think had, Detroit was seven and nine in twenty twenty as well.
1: They might now be better this year because yeah. I think people are going to overcorrect. Tyree Kill leaving and the division getting so much better, like when they play Herbert, when they play Russ, like when they go at Charges at Broncos, they'll probably be underdogs in both those games, and that will present some value.
0: Yeah, like this year, that game they play against—I want to pull it up—but they play Arizona Week One. I probably would take them just based off of the fact that look, let's see what the line's at right now for that one. They're three-point favorites. The one I would i would say this for that game though—I would take under fifty-three points for that one because I feel like that's that. You know, I've done this so last year so much. You know, you see a game, and you're like, you know what, this is a classic game. They're just gonna go at it, it's points fest and then defense just shuts everything down where it's or the offenses just don't get it going that's 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 classic nfl too you know where they like loop you in with like points and points and points and points but then the points never come
1: yeah and and week one also can get tricky like the titans last year they got killed by the cardinals that I had week. that over the
0: fuck the titans
1: and 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 hey look and everyone thought like oh down year for tennessee down year for tennessee look man they they went 12 and 5 we can call them a fraudulent one seed all we want they beat they destroyed the Rams in LA. Destroyed them. Oh LA. yeah, I remember that game. And the Rams had everybody healthy. And so, you know, like the week one can present traps too for that reason. We're a team that like Griffs never forget the year their year Gris Patriots finally won the Super Bowl again in 2014, got smoked by the Dolphins in week one. Smoked. Like got their asses kicked. So was,
2: was that firm. the Brady was that the Brady suspension? No. No.
1: Brady played. Brady played. It was the next the Brady suspension was two years later.
0: Yeah, that um, that week one game was against Arizona and we won. I want to say it was like twenty four to twenty two. It was like a really weird score. It was it was a Sunday night football game of Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson uh, Carson Palmer. It was a bizarre game. Like, uh, oh, here's a here's the thing with that box Bucks, box Cowboys game. It's uh, t- it's Tampa minus two and a half. So. I, I, oh. Like if I look at it right now, I would take Cowboys plus two and a half I think,
1: right there. Yeah, I, I can already. That's already a spot I would bet. Tampa Bay did not cover that spread last year when they played in Tampa. I took that. Yeah. I took that spread last year. I think it was like, but I think it was like nine and a half points. It was, it was but they didn't cover two. They wouldn't have covered two and a half either in that yeah. week one game last year.
0: Yeah, I think it was like thirty. I think that was like thirty to twenty eight was that final mm-hmm. score, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Correct. It was so along the,
0: those ilk. But I'm looking. I'm looking at week one right now. Like I see a lot of games where I'm like. This you guys can call me crazy if this, but I see like a San Francisco Chicago minus six and a half for San Fran, and I'm like, I can see San Fran winning, but I can see Chicago covering six and a half. I like, don't
2: even think like, I don't even know how Chicago's gonna score, dude. Do you, well, you know those games where
0: you like you know how last year there was I'll give a perfect example last year. Remember that it was week I think week nine, where you had Giants, Raiders, you had Buccaneers, not Buccaneers, you had Cowboys, Broncos, and you had Bills Jags, and Every game the underdog won. I remember that, like that, that, that especially that box. That not box. I keep saying box. Broncos Cowboys game where the Cowboys got their asses handed them by the Denver Broncos, and I cost me survival. Um, there's a certain games like that. I just feel like Danny or traps. Like even last year, I remember San Francisco. I think either barely covered or Detroit covered against San Francisco last year.
1: Detroit covered. Detroit covered it at the last second, though. They needed like a bunch of crazy shit to go down.
0: But yeah, you know what I mean, though. Like that could be a game where it's like San Francisco like got it, and then like Detroit kind of comes back, and then like has a last second heroic cover. Like even yeah. to last year, there was that Vikings Bears game on Monday Night Football where if Jesper Horsted had actually caught the, like caught the ball, he it would was, have covered the spread yeah. for the Bears.
1: Yeah, Danny, you can't see a world where San Francisco wins, like like 31-27 against the Bears, and then the Bears proceed to start the season 0-10. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh,
0: but then, like, the spread for the next week when the Bears go into yeah, Lambeau, and everyone's going to take... Freaky. But you know how week one's freaky, too, though? Because then the Bears play week two in Green Bay, and everyone's going to think, hey, you know what? They're going in there. They're going to cover. It's a rivalry game. And the Bears get their asses whooped. Because in Lambeau on a yes, Sunday night, that's just what's due to happen. But anyway, guys, um, this has been a blast. But I think it's I think it's about time we wrap up. Big Rat, Danny, guys, thank you for coming on once again. If got anything else to say? You can say it now.
2: Let's go, Mavericks.
0: Let's go, Jordan
2: Pool. Uh,
1: and uh, heat, heat Heat and Seven uh, take Jets under six and a half. But the Jets still will improve this year. They will be a very good competitive six and eleven team.
0: Uh, so that, that's all I got for you today. Thank you.
2: Clip that. Clip that.
0: Clip that. I will. I will. I'll clip all that. I'll remember all of that. I'll remember. All the conversation, because guys, will be back here. Um, you'll probably see these guys again for the AFC preview, but you'll we'll definitely see either one of them. To you either see them both separately or together before then. But anyway, guys, enjoy this. More podcasts to come, because we got some stuff planned. Enjoy the offseason, everyone. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters.